All right. Time to pray. Let's see. I don't want to. There, I'll do. Hmm. So grateful and thankful to join together in the love of God as the love of God. Grateful to take these precious breaths together. To move into our heart together. To partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self together. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to a healing conversation, a divine dialogue that is deeply inspiring. It's expansive. It raises our vibration up. We declare that we are joining together for the purpose of letting go of the beliefs that no longer serve us and stepping into an awakening to clarity of our true identity. And we're sharing our healing, our expansion, our clarity with everyone because we are one with them. So grateful, so thankful to joyfully allow it to be. We let it be. In gratitude, we know that it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. So let's just uh, begin with a quick check-in. See who uh, I'm, I'm, I uh, appreciate your community calls. Good, good stuff. Thank you for that. Um, but I'd just like to check in and see, does anybody have anything they'd really like to share or any uh, ahas, any breakthroughs or breakdowns that you'd, you'd like to share, Paula? I can't seem to unmute you. I don't know why sometimes. It okay. Did I get it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited because I finally get the difference between what we're doing and the concept of sacrifice. Ah. You know, I didn't get it until just the other day. And I think part of it was when you were talking about the flow of love and clarity and everything is there 24 seven. Yeah. And I was thinking, whoa. And then for some reason, I don't know what it was, but it, it occurred to me that I always thought that in order to connect with the divine, you had to give things up. Yeah, And of course, look at what is put in front of us. It's like the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. St. Stephen with arrows through him. Mm -hmm. Everybody is so dreadfully mourning. And <clears throat> I had an experience one time of my um, seeing a past lives of, of how many times I was a nun. And what the voice or whatever, what I heard was there were all these long, um, uh, what do you call it, 
openings into rooms, little dark rooms where the nun would sit waiting for the light. And what I heard was, how many lifetimes have you sat in darkness trying to reach the light? Mm. You know, thinking that giving things up and sacrificing Mm -hmm. was what brought you joy? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Love? Now, I mean, I can understand it from a particular perspective where if you have all the things of the world in front of you and that blinds you and distracts you, that's one thing. But just wearing a hair shirt and beating yourself up, that's not the way. And then what, what really blew my mind was today's lesson in the Course in Miracles was my holiness blesses the world. And it says this signifies the end of sacrifice because it offers everyone his full due. And I thought, wow, this really works. I love it. (laughs) Thank you, Jennifer. I mean, and what triggered it was the whole thing about 24-7. This is flowing to us 24-7 if we just remember it. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Paula. Yeah, so um, you were talking about uh, what I was sharing in year one class last night, right? Yeah, and but I've heard you say it a few times now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so I was talking about the spiritual qualities of life are live streaming all the time. And in fact, they are our true nature. And, uh, so these spiritual qualities, which I have a list of them in the first journal of the Masterful Living, uh, workbooks. And it's love, joy, freedom, clarity, wisdom, harmony, wholeness, uh, prosperity, abundance, etc. And that these qualities, they are our true identity. They are being broadcast all the time. And we, we're designed to express them, to reveal them, and to manifest in accordance with them, to bring them into manifestation. Here's what beauty is. Here's what wisdom is. Here's what clarity is. Here's what freedom is. And, um, and to have wonderful, creative, dynamic expressions of the spiritual qualities. And yet, instead, we believe in lack and limitation. We believe in separation. So instead, we choose only to manifest things that are from this limited um, perspective of unworthiness. And uh, the, the passage, seek first the kingdom which is within and all else will be added unto you, to me is uh, that expression that, when you look for your divinity in your heart, then you'll remember that you've already been given everything, that these spiritual qualities are your inheritance. They're your nature. They're your true identity. And it, all of it will be added unto you. You'll remember. You'll get it all back. And then you you feel now uh, that you have everything instead of thinking, oh, I don't have enough and trying to hoard and grab. And, and so it's, it is a dynamic, uh, shift. And, um, 
just to go a little further with you, Paula. So the idea of sacrifice, what, what is the nature of that, the essence of that in your understanding of sacrifice, your connection to it, your expressions of it in your life? What, what, what do you have to sacrifice? Why do you have to sacrifice? Do you have a sense of what your belief system has been? Yeah. Um, it's like you have to leave the world. Okay. I mean, I see it as a scam in a way, like an ego scam. But um, it's like joining a monastery, which I loved. But the whole thing was you give up your family. Right. <laughs> you give up a any career mm-hmm. because you are there seeking God. Right. You are seeking enlightenment, but you give up everything else. Yeah. Should you have a desire for ice cream? Naughty, naughty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really? Uh, well, yeah. If you want ice cream at the wrong time, you know, uh, um, you know. I mean, if we were put on a fast, okay, like we did fasts and we did silences. Yeah. And I gained from that. You sure. know, I, I, I gained from being on a silence for three months because I got a speeding ticket. Um, <laughs> etc. <clears throat> At the same time, again, it was chasing something that wasn't real. I had expectations that somehow the more I would give up, the closer I could be to right. God. So who can give up the most? <laughs> and it's true about giving up attachments. Yeah. But... Um, no sacrifice is needed. So if we go and look at, um, as you know, I do in year one, if we go and look at that trust section in the manual for teachers, chapter four, um, in the manual, it's um, pages, um, uh, what is it, nine and ten? Yeah, ten and eleven. So, um, it talks in here about, you know, the, the period of relinquishment. And that's paragraph five. We go through this, the, the, the period of undoing, the period of sorting out, and then you get to the period of relinquishment. And it says, if this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. There is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the value less unless the next obvious step is taken. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth he is not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He can learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless 
Through this, he learns that when he anticipated grief, he finds a happy, lightheartedness. Instead, where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed upon him. So um, it's we we learn that what what has value is we don't have to give that up, and we learn that what is valueless it's healing to give it up. So what what is you know in the past we maybe we valued. Um, What, what 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 would we have valued in the past that's actually valueless? Anybody have a thought about that? How good we look in a miniskirt. Say say it again. How good we look in a miniskirt. Yeah, there you go. Right, and then it becomes meaningless, right? Or valueless. Heels, wearing high heels. <laughs> yeah. Having extra, so many beautiful pairs of shoes, and then it, it becomes meaningless. Um, yeah. So, but then, you know, the opportunity to extend love uh, perhaps was not valuable in the past, and now it's so valuable in the present. Um, there's also the section in um, the. Um, uh, where is it? Um, we look in the table of contents about is sacrifice necessary? Have you ever read that? Uh, probably. Yeah, it's. Um, where is it? I think it's what you said too. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all else will be given to you. And then it becomes like an embrace or a celebration. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, that doesn't mean you have to crawl into a hole and hide from everything else. That's right. In fact, just the opposite. Yeah. You know, that's why Buddha taught that the fastest path to awakening is the uh, the way of the householder, the person who's in the world and who is um, having to deal with everything in the world. So it's it's um, hmm. yeah. It's sorry. It's chapter thirteen in the manual for teachers. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? And it's page, in mine, page 33. Um, the first illusion, which must be displaced before another thought system can take hold, is that it is a sacrifice to give up the things of this world. What could this be but an illusion since the world itself is nothing more than that? It takes great learning both to realize and to accept the fact that the world has nothing to give. What can the sacrifice of nothing mean? It cannot mean that you have less because of it. There is no sacrifice 
in the world's terms that does not involve the body. So the the kind of sacrifice that you were talking about always involved the body. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, I I did a lot of teaching on this. I'm trying to remember, I think it was last year. Uh, <laughs> they run together, but uh, about the crucifixion <clears throat> and. Um, that uh, in order for the crucifixion to end, uh, or rather in order for the resurrection to begin, we have to be complete with the crucifixion. And so who who is crucifying us? Nobody. We're crucifying ourselves. And uh, And as long as we have an idea that it would be desirable to crucify someone else, of course, we're keeping the idea that we too should be crucified alive. And so, uh, and crucifixion, of course, is this idea also of sacrifice and martyrdom. Martyrdom. Yeah. And you know what it is too, Paula, it, that whole martyrdom and crucifixion, the way that it's been interpreted by the Christians, it's all forms of specialness. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and seeing this idea, see, that's the thing is, you know, it's very strong in Christianity and in the world, of course, that specialness is so desirable. Even like if you can't have specialness because you're so wonderful, then go for it because you're so awful. But get that specialness, you know. So it's it's so the the healing of our mind is awakening to unity and the degrading of our mind is needing that specialness and it's the specialness is always connected to better than or less than and uh as long as we're looking for better than and less than all the time we can't really see the oneness because in the oneness, how can there be better than and less than? There's no such thing in the unity of all life. If God is the same everywhere, all the time, infinitely, eternally the same, there can't be any better than or less than. Those are subjective, which means that's your belief, that's your opinion, that's your judgment. It, it's never going to be real. Better than and less than will always be a delusion in the illusion. So, and that the sacrifice there is we're sacrificing our happiness. We're sacrificing our joy. But you see the, the especially the Christian martyrdom, and of course other religions also glom onto this uh specialness and martyrdom as a way of um, self-expression, unique self-expression. Because that's what the ego needs to have so much, is it needs to be different and separate from. So sacrifice is a way of specialness, and it's a way of uh, perpetuating separation. 
I sacrificed more than anyone. I suffered more than anyone. <laughs> Thank you. That's terrific. Yeah. yeah so if you have, if you awaken to unity, you have everything. That's it. That's right. And the ice cream. Yes, everything is given back to you in the unity. Thank you. Seek first the kingdom, which is within, and all else will be added unto you, simply because you've removed the idea that you're separate. When you truly come back into your right mind, into your heart, then you realize, oh, I have everything. It's like uh, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz realizing, oh, I can go home whenever I want to. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought I had to make a journey, that I had to make sacrifices, that I had to have battles and secret things and incantations and all this magic and and uh, striving. And, oh, I could have gone home just by wishing any time I wanted. Oh, you see, and that's the thing. That's one of the wonderful things about Frank Baum, who wrote um, The Wizard of Oz, with very, very mystical stories, very mystical stories. Has anybody read those books? Interesting. Or anybody have any ahas about uh, what uh, Paul and I have been sharing about? Any thoughts to add? Scott, are you raising your hand there? Yes, Pam. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Um, um, I don't know how to, um, let me just pray how to speak clearly. Sometimes I get nervous. Um, okay. Um, on Sunday I had a, a very, um, rough time um i have two jobs one i'm a music teacher and, and on sundays i'm a, a church organist and um i had sort of a confrontation um uh on sunday during the church meeting right before the church meeting i realized that um the church hadn't paid me in full for some work uh that they paid me less than i was budgeted for uh to be paid i had agreed to do three extra services and this whole thing about sacrifice really pays into this and so I played these extra services and I signed a contract saying if I paid these extra services I would get paid uh, $300 extra but they didn't pay me that money extra because they said it took me a while to sign the contract and so they prorated it and then when I figured out the amount I wound up getting almost next to nothing when I subtracted taxes and travel expense to my churches. This is all getting to sacrificing. My church is 120 miles round trip and I have to go during the week and figuring the either taking this um, Long Island Railroad out to Long Island or either the um, or the um, driving expenses. It, it wound up almost almost nothing, like $10 after doing this. And I felt my ego, I felt betrayed, I felt hurt, it brought up issues before when I was, um, when I used to do music more and when I go to gigs and 
had a similar thing where they had promised me to be paid a certain amount of money and then they didn't. And then what hurt me the most was in front of the congregation, pastor said, oh, Scott is lying. And like, it just hurt me so much that hurt more than the money. Because honestly, right now my teaching job, I have enough money. I have a big raise there. And so it wasn't about the money. It was wow. more about trust and betrayal. And um, I felt like I had made a big sacrifice to do he has these like Thanksgiving Eve services, New Year's Eve services. And like, I felt like I was giving up all these holidays and like, um, and I was trying to. We're not seeing your face. Okay. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was just extremely painful. And um, I was so nervous and like, there's no union at my church. There's no one. I felt alone and, um, uh, I just thank God that I could talk to God directly and God talks with me. And today I was so depressed. And I, and on top of all this, I got an evaluation from my teaching job, a poor evaluation. And I just, at the end of the day, I was like basically crying and depressed. And, and so I, I did the, um, I did every tool that I could think of with the, um, violet flame. I didn't, I came came home, did forgiveness letter to myself, forgiveness letter to the pastor. I did everything, you know, I could. And also then I felt God um, just say, receive my love. And I just felt God's love. And it was just, oh. but um, I've had a lot of contention with my church. Uh, and uh, they had me sign this contract that I didn't feel comfortable signing. But God told me to sign it, so I signed it. But I just, um, I don't know. I just need prayers. And this whole sacrifice thing really feels um, very strong for me. Like, I felt like it's not the money. It's just I felt I sacrificed doing all these services. And I didn't feel appreciate, appreciated. Like, before you were saying, like, what can we give up that we don't really need? And for me, it's like the giving up of the need to be appreciated um, and just to appreciate myself and to appreciate others. But um, for me, that's almost, it's like this quest that work to be appreciated is worth more to me than the money really. Mm -hmm. um, and which is so silly because it's just a hamster wheel where I could, it, it's up and down and, and it's, it's so silly when I could just feel God's love, you know, and it's, um, but I really feel that it's at the point where I'm probably just going to leave the church because it's just, it's not worth the, um, the pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate very much, Scott, that you're here and you're sharing with us. And one thing about, uh, I think you're really wise to look at these uh, issues Especially because you're you're saying it's recurring, it's right in your face, big time right now. So there's that tells me that you are in the midst of a major breakthrough, which will really improve the quality of your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I can share with you too is that. <clears throat> 
there are times, and I'm sure you know this already because you're a wise man, uh, that there are times when we are uh, investing a lot, we're working a lot, we're giving a lot, we're sharing a lot, we're doing a lot, uh, and we're not getting any appreciation in the world, mm-hmm. but we can feel that this is the thing for us to do. Appreciation is not needed. It's not necessary. It's not on our mind. Um, and there are times when, uh, certainly I've done this, I'm giving in order to get, uh, I don't do it anymore, but I used to do it to give, to get recognition, to get appreciation, to get mm-hmm. validation, the giving to get. And um, and then it it always it fell short. It was never what I hoped it would be, and it was disappointing. And, and then I think, what a loser I am! I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done that. That kind of thing. Um, and then there's also when we're feeling compelled to give from the ego, and not needing appreciation, but there's we're not feeling this value so the first case scenario i gave where we're giving and giving and giving but we can feel divinely guided in the giving so other people's recognition appreciation validation it's not there's no need for that because mm-hmm. we feel divinely guided mm-hmm. and then there's um giving to get but there's also another version, which is the ego is directing us to give and uh, we're not feeling valued. So it's not that we need recognition, appreciation, but just the sense that this is not being valued by anybody. Why am I really doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes we do it not to get recognition, but just to feel good about ourselves that we can give something. It's another version of giving to get, really. Mm-hmm. Not looking to give validation from the outside, but to prove something to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I was in a situation in my spiritual community at Agape where I was giving uh and I realized, oh, this is not valued at all. This is not valued. And it didn't, I wasn't giving in order to get recognition, but just to share. But when I could see it wasn't valued, then I thought, let me go and give where it will be valued because this is valuable. Mm-hmm. And am I making myself clear that there's a difference between people saying, oh, look how wonderful you are, and people just saying, oh, this is helpful. I, I, you know, I'm I'm grateful for this. Or I can feel that people are are being supported and helped by it, even though they're not saying so. It's just you can feel it. And that in and of itself, that connection, that spiritual connection, connection is a fulfillment that uh, is the ka-ching 
I, I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear. It, it's very clear to me. Okay. I get it. All right. So that's one thing is to really look at what is motivating you to do what you're doing. And you know what? I just have a strong sense for you, Scott, that there's a church that's easier and nearer to you mm-hmm. where you could feel really valued and um, that your gifts would be very much appreciated. Yeah, I feel that too. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and, I, and we can hold that for you. Yeah. You know, um, in A Course in Miracles, uh, at the end of Chapter 5, on page 90, there's the, the, the I, I often call it the parent's prayer, but it's the one, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God, for me. Now, Prior to this section, it says here, the first step in the undoing, the undoing of the pain and the suffering, the wrong decision, says the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly. No blame, no shame, just, oh, I decided wrongly. That's what I call my tactical tactical errors, right? (laughs) So I decided wrongly. It says, but can as actively decide otherwise. Mm. Be very firm with yourself in this and keep yourself fully aware that the undoing process, and it's the undoing of the decision that was uh, an error, the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you, Because God placed it there. Now, this is the key part I'm getting to here. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. So my my guidance was in this moment, Scott, for you to go back to the moment Maybe there was a moment when you first took this job with the church. Was there in that decision or to enter into the contract or some point, there was a decision maybe that was uh, about the ego. And, and that you, that's where the wrong decision was made. Meaning just that it was an egoic decision. We learn from everything, so therefore no mistakes have been made. Mm-hmm. But was there a point at which you're deciding to engage with the church or to enter into this contract or whenever you started working with them 
that it was ego driven. Do you feel that that's possible? Can you sense anything? Yes, I'm. I've been there almost 19 years or so, and oh my God. this was this was after the all the problems started after we got a, a new pastor and one in extra services, but. I think um, the egoic decision was I decided to stay because my current teaching job, I just took a new teaching job um, last September, not this September. Um, I, um, uh, so I was, I kept this because I was afraid I was going to lose my teaching job. There you go. So you okay. made the decision from fear. Mm -hmm rather than from your heart. Right. So now spirit is making it so uncomfortable for you to stay there because, I mean, that's my sense of it. It's mm -hmm. so uncomfortable for you to stay there because it's not your place to be there anymore. There's right. some place for you to go. Right. Where you'll be valued and treasured. Right. How does that feel? Free. Mm. Peace. And um, I feel like a light coming from my heart. Mm. And that I have, you know, I write my own music. And it's always been my dream that I could share it, you know, with the world and not just my little tiny church where I don't feel my music is... I hate to say the word, but appreciate it, but I have so much I could give. And um, so it feels so much freer. And I think it's just time that I could work on getting my music out there. Yeah. Yay for that. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Oh, thank you. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. Great. Anybody else have something they'd like to share on this topic, following it up? Lori? Hello, everybody. Oh, gosh, Scott. <clears throat> the memories. I used to be a teacher. <laughs> and you probably, you know my twin, because she was in MLC one last year. So I yes. don't know. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but... My heart goes out to you, and Thank I know you. that you're in the right place. Um, as I'm looking over my last year, and I'm looking over the commitments that in the New Year's reboot, um, it's so nice to have a focus. And Jennifer, I really, really appreciate the uh, just the, the paperwork you have us uh, look through and, and fill out in, and as I'm going through the reboot class. But the thing that that I can see that has is helping me the most is, you know, you had the video about the seven rocks or the rocks yeah. and the sand and how we get so overwhelmed by the sand. Uh, Scott, did you see that video yet? And everybody? No, I saw the link to it, but I didn't actually watch it. Okay. Well, it's a really good, it's really good because all it says is, is this gal, he says, put, put in, um, these put in here's sand here's rocks put it in so she puts the sand in first and then she tries to put the rocks on doesn't fit doesn't fit in her life and then when she puts the rocks in first and the rocks uh, are supposed to be uh, a symbol of 
our deep desires of our heart. This is how I got it. So, so there's, there were seven rocks and when she put them in and then she filled up the rest of it with the sand, it all fit, which was very surprising to me. But as I'm going through the deep desire of my heart, I'm looking at what's stopping me and then also looking at the rocks, the deep desires of my heart, because I want the rocks. I want the rocks to be the beauty of my life. And actually I started doing a little poster and I've got the rock as a diamond because I want the beauty. I want my thoughts to be blessed and I want my world to be, you know, um, going in the direction that my deep desire of my heart does and wants to go. And so listen to that video and just know that as you're sharing, oh my gosh, do I remember the evaluations and do I remember, you know, like being in church and playing a piano and, and, and having somebody say something that was derogatory for my gifts. And so I just really, you just hang in there and just know that find your desires and move your desires, move your rocks, put those rocks in there. And uh, I'm just feeling so much better. I mean, I'm just feeling, I can't believe a month can shift me in such a positive way. And so, yeah. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, Scott, for sharing tonight. Yes. And Paula, too. Paula, too. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um. I'm just making a note here of something. Uh, let's see, Angela. Th that was great, Lori. Thank you so much. And uh, Angela, you wanted to share? Yeah, I'm just hoping my internet will give me a good sound. But I wanted to say that um, from the discussion with Scott and it coming to this conclusion, um, to be very clear where we're valued and where we're motivated, what we're motivated by, it brought up fear in my heart because I think um, I'm noticing myself trying so hard in my marriage to be loving. And, and I see that as being this huge motivator to be loving regardless through everything um, and I think my growth is learning how to be worthy of being valued at the same time. So that feels like a scary growth for me because I feel, um, I think I've been feeling that if I just keep working on being loving, I don't have to look at anything else. And, uh, I think that, that that's coming to the light. <laughs> Um, so thank you. Angela, I remember going through that same, um, growth, uh, not in a marriage, but just, you know, I was striving so much to be loving that I found myself being dysfunctional in my relationships. And that's where I came up with the idea of dysfunctional compassion. Mm. Yeah, I was having a conversation with Venerable one time, and I said to her, I think I'm dysfunctionally compassionate. And she she said, oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. And um, 
uh, you know, it's where we're actually codependent because we're trying to be so loving and so understanding that we're not able to say, hey, you know what, that doesn't really work for me. You know, it just really, no, that's, no, that's not gonna, I, I, I need more or I don't like it that way or, um, and, uh, it's definitely mm. part of our growth as spiritual students. Yeah. Yes, I'm just grateful this came up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, thank you, Angela. All right, anybody else? Okie dokie. Um, so you know what I am uh, feel guided for us to talk about tonight uh, to begin uh, uh, going back to our uh, beginning of the year uh, work and the New Year's reboot work is in there I have the um, the assessment where I have the 11 different things, the worry, the fear, the doubt, the guilt, and we look at in the guided meditation, what are the memories that are still uh, playing a lot in our minds, and then what is the percentage of the energy that we have to live our life this day going into that. Um, do I, if, For those of you who remember doing it last year do you have a sense of what do you remember what your percentage was last year maybe you wrote it in your book and do you have your percentage this year have you done any comparison of the the things that you wrote down last year versus the things that you wrote down this year that are um uh commanding your attention those worries, the doubts, the fears. Do you have, does anybody have, uh, did anybody have any ahas or insights from the looking at last year and this year? Did you do that? Any noticeable difference in your percentage? Anybody have anything to share about that? Laurie? I, I know that um, last year when I started, it took me about three to four months to even get off the ground of 100% thinking about all of the negative things in my life. And, you know, and I didn't really believe or feel that I could get control of them. Mm -hmm. And this year, it has taken me no time at all, like it maybe four weeks to to go from you know, I, when we did a, the exercise in masterful living one this year i put down that i was still around 89 percent still carrying the ego's thoughts and and they were controlling all my fears and doubts were controlling me but i just can't believe the the time now that i can i've shifted and i probably 
today could say that I might be down in the 30% of the fear and the doubt. I'm just really starting to see hope. So that's the difference between this year and, and the first year in MLC one. That's wonderful. That's quite an accomplishment. It is. It, it, I, well, it's, it, it, it works. Just like Paula was saying, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that, that the shifts are, are there for our, for our taking. Yes. You know, we can shift from thinking um, uh, in the darkness and we can shift to the light. Right. So quicker. I love that. And I thank you so much. Yeah, it's getting to that tipping point, right, where everything gets a lot easier. The closer we get to it, and then we tip over, and then uh, it really is so much easier from there, at least in, in my experience. That's great. Anybody else? Okay, we've got Dina here. Yes, um, I think my biggest change is because I spent probably 100% of my time repressing everything last year. I, I guess I didn't realize that I was doing that until I began to tune in um, to why, think, why I was having so much pain and then trying to process it. And as I'm processing it and letting it go, um, that's, you know, that, so for me, it was the not feeling it and repressing it that was, that was holding me back. And that sense of freedom I have now in, in, I'm not saying that I'm happy every day. I'm not saying that I don't have painful times, but, um, I have, I'm able to all day long, whenever meetings with people, self doubt and dreams, you know, I'm, it's coming up. I'm dealing with it. I'm asking it what it, you know, what, what I'm to learn from it. And um, it, it's just so, it's an incredible difference for me from this time last year. I, I wouldn't go back to last year for anything in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the way I feel too, Dina, that yeah. uh, every day, I don't even want to go back a day. Right. Yeah. No matter every day, every day makes a difference. Yep. It does. Bring it, bring it on, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, you, when we say bring it, spirit's going to bring it. But, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I really said bring it to spirit, and spirit brought it. Mm -hmm. And my life turned into a, a real just a storm of, like, you know, just betrayals and all kinds of stuff. But boy, it was such a clearing and I learned so much so fast. Yeah. And for me, it's not so much what other people are doing self, but you know, it's more self hatred, self betrayal. Um, all the things I've done to keep myself small and um, not allowing myself to feel valued. And, and that, that is the part that's, that has been, I think that I, was more forgiving with other people, more willing to to take all the blame myself and just, I don't know what the heck I was doing all these years, but it got stuffed down pretty deep. And I was just a nice person going around being, you know, and I'm just, so now it's coming up and, and I'm asking the honest questions sometimes. I'm the person that's saying, 
well, this doesn't feel right to me. Um, can we talk about this? And I may not say it well. Sometimes I think it sounds kind of childish the way it's coming out, but I appreciate that I can access and ask and, you know, maybe I've got to say it a couple different ways or times or, but it, and sometimes I feel nervous. Sometimes I feel anxious. Sometimes I feel angry, but that's okay. That's coming up. It's translating. And then I remember recent, like a couple of weeks ago, something happened in a meeting and I was talking to the girl afterwards and I said, it, it, I, I'm feeling like somehow it's not okay to be me. You know, the things that make me, me. And I'm getting that it's not okay. And then we, so we started talking about that. It was, it's not really appropriate maybe, you know, for work to have those conversations, but, but it made me feel a lot better. So I, I'm, when I say bring it on, I think I'm not meaning so much outside. It's, it's in me. It's just all gnarled up in me. And it's got to come out and I've got to bust it up and figure it out. No, I don't have to figure it out. Just <laughs> go away. Yeah, just give it away. Yeah. What was the song that went, give it away, give it away, give it away now? <laughs> that's my theme song. Exactly. Yep. That's I, I literally sometimes I. Uh, I, well, I, I used to not so much anymore, but I would hear that song in my head. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Just that part. Yeah. Beautiful. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to share right now? Okay, Tracy. And then uh, Vanessa. This isn't... I don't think this is really on topic, but I've heard it come up a few times and it's a growth area for me. So I'm going to put it out there and either now or at another time. Um, Cause I'm not sure if it's connected to exactly the topic that you're asking us to talk about right now, but Dina just said it too. Um, uh, I'm realizing I have a very difficult time speaking up and um so sometimes in not so difficult situations and, and uh, e even with some stuff with, with this course, Jennifer, you've asked me to speak up more, right? I mean, in, in very simple things about what is and isn't happening. Uh, so even that's difficult for me sometimes in, in emails. I'm, I may be emailing something to her that's not happening and she says speak up. And so I'm trying to do that. So, so even in something as simple as that, like clarifying what's happening, I'm, I'm, thinking, well, maybe uh, the mastery circles haven't started yet, and I'll just wait because maybe Linda's not able to work as much because her husband's needing her caregiving. And then I hear from somebody else that they've started, and usually I'd wait, but Jennifer's told me to speak up, so I emailed her, and she reassured me, no, they haven't started. So sometimes as simple as that, but like in my family situations, um, I don't speak up sometimes because um, – uh, maybe I'll be getting communications that are um, challenging for me because they're expressions of someone else's frustration and anger. And I don't want to respond in a way that's hurtful. Um, I, I don't want to hurt them. And I also don't want to feel how I feel when I feel something that's hurtful to somebody else. Cause I know we're all one. So, so I'll um, 
either stay pretty silent or give a feedback that's pretty, um, it's just not addressing what I need to address. Like Dina just said, she is trying to speak up and say, that doesn't feel right for me. I won't say that part. I'll say, well, I'm glad you shared that or um, I'm sorry that happened or, or I'm sorry you feel that way or, but it doesn't forward the conversation. So anyway, um, I, 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 it seems like it takes me quite a while to formulate responses in those kind of situations that I feel will be not hurtful and that will be effective. And uh, so I don't know if you have any suggestions about that and if it might tie into this conversation. Yeah, I, I really value that you, you're sharing that, Tracy. Uh, what immediately comes to mind is, because I, I can relate in uh, remembering, not so much now, but remembering I would feel overwhelmed at times by what was going on and feeling my, my, my old way was to have my ego jump in and my ego might um, take charge and dominate by any number of things. Uh, it could be intimidating everybody or shutting down or just, you know, any number of ways that the ego might um, react. But as I began to practice this, then I had different goals. So my ego has the goal of protecting myself and the ego has the goal of um, feeling better than everyone. Mm -hmm. right? So that, that was my experience of my ego. Whereas my spirit has the goal of feeling connected with everyone, feeling compassion with everyone mm -hmm. and expressing and extending love very, very different calls from the ego. So when I can feel the ego moving to react or just that, that impulse is there, then I've trained myself to just let the impulse come up but not act upon it and give the impulse to the spirit but to go directly to spirit and say, what am I to say here? You know, and I, I, my counseling clients really helped me to do that. Because as I talk about in the certification program and in the intensive training, uh, when I first started out as a counselor, I, I had um, years of classes that I had to go through in order to be licensed as a uh, spiritual practitioner from Agatha. Spiritual counselor, but it's also part of the ecclesiastic body there. And um, with ecclesiastic responsibilities. But um, in theory, we were trained to counsel people. Um, but not so much, really, because I literally did one 20-minute counseling session in my... Um, 
four years of classes. One 20-minute session. Like, I did not feel prepared to counsel. Um, but I had always felt, always, every minute of every day, prepared to give anybody advice. <laughs> but that's a different thing. And so when I started in counseling with people, um, especially in the first year or two, there were many people that came to me with all kinds of issues. I didn't know anything about these issues. I had no idea what to say to them. And I would just sit there at literally for like, because I did 90-minute sessions. Wow. I only did 90-minute sessions. And so for the first hour, the person would just talk for a full hour. And I would sit there and go, uh -huh, uh -huh, oh, wow. You know, and just make noises and responses like that. But inside, my personality was going, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Because I had no idea what to say to people. But that experience really taught me to move from Jesus, help me, to what am I to say here? What am I to do here? And just to be extremely patient and not speak until... I'd been spoken to by the spirit. And, and then I was able to apply that to every area of my life. And especially when I felt threatened, I would just relax, like relax my belly, my solar plexus, my third chakra, you know, which to me is where the ego lives. It's my self identity. Uh, and remember that, uh, Hugh Lynn, he calls, uh, his version of Ho'oponopono, self-identity Ho'oponopono. Mm -hmm. Your true identity and giving up that ego identity. Your true identity is that perfect zero state consciousness. So um, that's the thing that I get really strongly for you is to, uh, and, and uh, my friend um, Mary, oh, I can't remember last name, this went out of my head. Um, who teaches the pause. Um, I had her on my radio show a few years ago. It's a beautiful, simple work about pausing. Just pause for inspiration. That, I think that's her website, pause for inspiration. And um, Mary Lenahan, Mary Gerard Lenahan. And um, just and it's a great thing to do because in that pause, we're, we're in such a place of trust and faith that spirit is going to guide us. And if we can learn to just, if we don't get guidance, then there's nothing for us to do or say right at this moment. And you all see me do that in class all the time. Where I say, well, just hold on a second. Let me see what's going on here. You know, and I just take that moment. And, you know, if it became a really long time, it became a really, it, it takes a minute, it takes a minute. You know, if I don't get anything now, I don't get anything now, it'll come later. It just, I don't have to stress. I don't have to worry. I'm here only to be truly helpful, to represent God who sent me, I'll be told what to say, where to go, when to say it, when to go, and I don't have to worry at all. And mm. so 
that practice, actually that prayer, um, remember I was talking about mm -hmm. uh, David Hofmeister, every time mm -hmm. he went to a doorway, he would mm -hmm. say that prayer. So um, I decided to commit to doing that every time I went through a doorway. Well, um, uh, I, I, most of the time I forget to say it when I go through a doorway. Uh, just be honest with you. And, uh, but then I get in the room and then I remember. So I say, when I get in the room, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, God's not like, Hey, it doesn't count. You didn't say, it. <laughs> you know, that was, that was David's thing. So, um, you know, I get in the car, I'm driving now. I'll say it, you know, it doesn't matter. So mm -hmm. it, for me, it's about just saying it again and again and again, reconnecting to it. Mm -hmm. And you may wish to really learn that whole thing because the whole part about mm -hmm. um, I, I do not have to worry mm -hmm. about what to say or where to go because the one who sent me is going to provide all of that for me. And I can rest in that. I can rest assured. And so training ourselves to live that way and Scott, that, that would really support you in your schoolwork, in, in, in going into that um, very, very challenging school environment. And, you know, I'm, just while I'm thinking of it, um, for Scott, uh, because I've heard your sharing in the community calls, um, send the angels ahead of you to school every day. Call for the violet flame to fill the room before everybody gets there. Call for the violet flame to surround and enfold all your students and their families while they're sleeping. So pray for them uh, when you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, these things are so valuable. That's I do that for everyone in Masterful Living. It's part of my practice. I do it for all the people of the world, but then I also do a special prayer for everyone. And um, and I invite everyone to also bless everyone in Masterful Living. Every day. But we're all divinely guided. Yeah. Is that helpful to you, Tracy? Yeah, it is helpful. Um, I, my intention this year really is to remember I, my true identity is love. And um, I have too many doors to do that every time I go through a door. I wouldn't be able to think about anything else. But, <laughs> but I've, I'm trying to think. I am thinking about it daily and I do know it pretty well. And I, I think listening to you talk, I, I um, just need to trust more, really, that if I pause, yeah, pause to ask spirit to help me in those situations. I mean, it's, it's the situations where another person, you know, an apparent external ego is, is coming at me in a way that, uh, is designed to provoke my ego <laughs> to not come from ego. And, and um, yeah, I listen to you talk, and I think, of, of course, God, love is up for that. And 
would know how to respond in just the right way. Um, and that's it. We're training ourselves to stay connected 100% of the time. Right. Not disconnect. So that pause for inspiration, for insight, for guidance, for clarity, it just helps us reconnect. Because the only reason we don't know what to say or we feel challenged or intimidated is because we've disconnected. So mm -hmm. this antidote to that worry, that concern, that doubt, that fear, that sense of unworthiness is to connect. It can't be anything other than that. Right. With the higher self. Yeah, so my ego, it's been taking the form of going into fear of, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. I, uh, uh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to handle this and, and uh, I need to um, pause and reconnect and trust and when well, I'm afraid I can't hear spirit. So, uh, everybody trust. starts there. Yeah. Everybody starts there. Mm -hmm. I sure did. You know, is it my ego or is it spirit? Mm -hmm. The simple way is what is the vibrational quality or the tone of it? So is it, is it that what you're sensing, however you're sensing it, thoughts, words, pictures, mm -hmm. um, voices, um, However it's coming is the vibration one of you should do this. You better do that. If you don't do this, uh, is it that? That's ego. Or is it spirit? Spirit's always a still, small voice. Mm -hmm. Call her now. Call her now. Call her now. It's, 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 um, it's always just so simple. Um, Call the bank now. Call the bank. Now. You know, it's just always so still, small, so that you have to wish to listen to hear. But the ego is not. The ego is, you better do that now. The ego is never a still, small voice. Mm -hmm. Ever. And it always has this agitation frequency to it. Always. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to go to Vanessa. I want to get to a breakout. We don't have a, a lot of time left. Where did Vanessa go? Here? Well, maybe she had to go. All right. Um, so I'd like to go to a breakout uh, where you can talk about that inventory of those 11 items. If you have in your journals from last year, what you wrote last year, and if you have um, what you did in your uh, reboot work this year. So it's the, um, um, I think of it as that inventory. Um, I think, what did I, call it, um, I'm looking for it here, in the worksheets for this year, oh, here it is, your repeating hey, memories, that's what I called it this year in the New Year's reboot, your repeating memories, thank you, Angela. Um, 
if you if you can look at them and see even if you only have this year's list what are those items um are they the, any of them the same from last year and to uh talk in your breakout and if people aren't in class now they can do this with their prayer partners to really go over what what is your commitment this year to transform that to let spirit do the heavy lifting on that and where are you managing and coping with it where can you see that there's something about it that that energy drain is still valuable to you uh, briefly i'd like to share with you that uh, carolyn mace talks about um uh, it's in her teaching on um, why people don't heal and how they can. And she talks about if you think of uh, the way this world works is that every day it's like we get uh, $100 worth of spiritual energy deposited into our spiritual bank account. And that is the perfect amount for us to get through the day. Everything we need is given to us every day, that renewal, that into our bank account. But if we are holding on to resentments and regrets and shame and blame and guilt and jealousy and these kinds of things, then that drains off our spiritual bank account. And then we don't have the energy necessary to do what we'd like to do in our life. And she said in her work on why people don't heal and how they can, she said the, the first way that we try and um, keep from deficit spending is we, we take from our ability to be creative and we, so that we have enough energy just to get through the day. And then we'll also drain off the energy that we have from our relationships to make up the energy that we need. And then if draining off the energy for our creativity and our relationships isn't enough, then we start to go into deficit spending and that's why people don't heal. And so the way that we can have um, the energy to heal in all ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, is to stop investing in these uh, negative investments, right? So this is one of the things I talk about. If you're deficit spending, the two things you can do to get out of debt quickly is bring in more energy, bring in more income, and stop giving out unnecessary, you know, don't stop spending so much and earn more, right? That's basic economics. You want to get out of debt, earn more, spend less, and then you're working it from both sides. So it's the same is true for us in our spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional healing. 
bring in more spiritual energy, right? Through being more loving, more compassionate and stop investing energy in negativity. So that's what we're doing in Masterful Living is we're working both sides, bringing in more spiritual connection and decreasing the amount of negative um, investment. So that's why we're looking at this list and seeing what we can learn. And, and this, we could spend several classes just on this and maybe we will, maybe we will, because I haven't really put a lot of attention on this, but it feels imperative right now. So I'd like to start us off with a, um, a breakout session. And um, because of the time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do um, eight minutes and we're going to do pairs. Eight minutes and we're going to do pairs. So. <laughs> Hi. Well, you didn't want to come back from that breakout. Everybody took the last. That, that tells me something. Oh my. Yeah, well, this is a rich topic. Okay. Um, so we, we're at time here, but just real quick, anybody have any um, big insight, anything they really would like? Okay, Cheryl. I don't know why sometimes the mute button doesn't work. There you go. Okay. All right. Um, I, I, I love this list. I love um, these repeating memories. I'm just so excited. I, uh, we had the agreements homework to do last week, and I did a, a ceremony, a fire ceremony with the full moon, and I included my repeating memories in the ceremony and um, released them in the fire. But one of the biggest things I learned actually is on the next page in the packet, but it says how I judge myself uh, being alone and lonely. And uh, people that have uh, been in my circle and prayer partners have heard me speak of this in the last couple weeks, but I continue to work with it. But I heard you praying one time, Jennifer, on one of the calls, and you were talking about how important the use of our word is. And I decided to make a change because one of the um, repeating memories was under sadness, how I use isolation um, and I spend too much time alone and I get depressed. So I decided to take out the word alone or lonely out of my vocabulary um, in my thoughts and in speaking it. And in just shifting that one word, it opened up um, so much space for connection uh, by taking that out. Yeah. Uh, so that was so exciting. And what I found was between last week's homework about agreements and then these memories is that each one just takes an action and to shift it. And that action can be a prayer. Um, it can be a request to have spirit do the heavy lifting. It could be shifting a word in my vocabulary or changing a thought. And I'm excited to go through each one of these memories and see what action might need to be, uh, would be required on my part to shift it and to 
take back my personal, um, my personal energy. Yes. Beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Cheryl. Great share. So in keeping with that, what I have dis discovered for myself is that one of the reasons why these memories keep repeating, it's unforgiveness. That's what it is. It's unforgiveness. What is unforgiveness? It's my interpretation. It's the meaning I made of it. And it's just like, um, uh, I'm not at peace because I made a wrong decision. Same thing, right? I'm the one that made the decision. Now I'm making the decision to give the wrong decision that I made to the Holy Spirit for healing. So the key to all undoing, all in continuing to invest in the repeating memories is to do a self-forgiveness letter on them. That is the, truly the fastest path to undoing that repeated investment and to get that energy back. And one of the reasons why we hold on to all these um, repeating memories is because they do drain off our energy. Because we're afraid that if we had all the energy that is our spiritual inheritance, that we would be expected to do magnificent things, to do wonderful things, and we do not feel capable, and we do not feel worthy, and so we do not want to have that energy. We're willing to sacrifice, and instead, just stay on that hamster wheel. So this is the, the way to get off it, is through forgiveness. And then that energy will open up. We will have the energy to heal our bodies, to heal our relationships, to heal our mind, to heal our, heal our emotions, and to have relationships so that loneliness is not the, the thing that's going on anymore, and um, et cetera, et cetera. And what I've learned is that when we really do heal the mind, that like, I don't have any fear anymore that I used to have so much fear that uh, if I, if I, uh, you know, reached for the, the great thing that so much would be expected of me and I'd never be able to uh, handle it and, uh, or that uh, I'd get all this attention and I wouldn't like the attention. I don't have any of those fears at all anymore. I really don't because I've learned that if I feel spirit guiding me to do something, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I will do. That's what I choose to do. That's what I wish to do. And that's what I, I must do because otherwise I can't feel comfortable. And, um, you know, in a very tiny little circle of people, I'm a rock star. You know, to a very small number of people, I'm a rock star. But it doesn't change anything else in my life. It just means those people appreciate what I am sharing. And that's wonderful. 
that's wonderful, but it's, um, it's not a burden in any way. Is it a burden? No way is it a burden. It's wonderful. And uh, other people, you know, like my family doesn't think I'm a rock star. You know, they just, I'm just Jen and that's that. And they love me. And sometimes they think I'm a pain in the ass. And, you know, um, it's just, honestly, it's just all having all that energy to invest in the things that I love, the things that matter, the things that are valuable, instead of self-medicating, arguing, complaining, feeling like crap, uh, you know, binge watching on television to hide. And then I feel bad about myself. I wasted the day. I said I was going to do other things and then I didn't do it. I don't have any of that stuff going on anymore. I, it's so worth it. You know, there's the irrational fears of the ego. We have to have uh, the way to break through is to have trust and faith that if we are willing to let go of the blocks to love that um, Get it to stop. All right. That um, the, the, we'll, the energy will, it'll be wonderful. It's wonderful not to feel like, ah, I invested so much time and energy in a waste. It's wonderful not to feel that way at all anymore. To not feel like, oh God, I just self medicated myself into suffering. It's wonderful to give all that up. And it happens so naturally through the practice of forgiveness. So that make the commitment to write a self-forgiveness letter on every single one of those things. That's my invitation to you. And if you if you hesitate, if you feel reluctant, pray to be willing. Ask your prayer partner to pray to be willing. Put a prayer request in the Facebook group. Be unstoppable. Yes, we fear our greatness. Yes, we fear the light. That's what the ego does. But we are not the ego. I got, I shared this in year one class last night. I got this puppet, my ego dinosaur. It's a velociraptor. Right? Remember from Jurassic Park, those things, those screechy, horrible things. Yep. But this puppet, this ego puppet, I'm looking at you, um, <laughs> it has no power. It can't do anything to me unless I invest in it, unless I give it my power. And then, oh, it can bite me and, you know, but only if I put my power into it. All right. How about a prayer? Grateful and thankful for the love of God shining in our mind. Grateful and thankful we can let the past go. Grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to the truth that is our liberation. We are laying onto the altar all resistance, all reluctance all repeating memories we are willing to let the past go and to stand 
refreshed, renewed, restored in our true identity as the very love of God. So grateful and so, so thankful to claim our inheritance. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all beings. We let it be. We allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Yes. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks, Jennifer. Bye.